What um, I'll be talking about this evening is some organisations that have used scenarios in a research capacity, really, to think about the future that they may be facing, and they're in different areas, as Lynn had indicated, in patenting, in new media, and higher education. And this is part of my um, doctoral research that's supervised by Raphael, that Raphael and I are writing a paper on. And it's one of the things that we notice that comes out of the research is this researching into the future with these messy, ill-defined topics seems to help create communities of understanding that provide action or facilitate action further down the track because people get to have a better understanding of what the situation is and what the nature of the topic is. And I'd also just like to take this opportunity to thank Dr Martin because I have a scholarship from the James Martin Institute that then became the Institute for Science, Innovation and Society. So this research would not have been possible and from a personal perspective had it not been for you. So thank you very much. So what I was going to talk about is these three cases and a little bit of what I found about doing, have their experience of doing the research and what happens in trying to build these communities through research. So the three organisations are in patenting, so they were very interested in the future of patenting and intellectual property because it was starting to become really messy. There are a lot of NGO groups and a lot of other groups starting to actually question the role of the patent office and the whole role of patenting. And so it was really caught in this debate about, yes, we should have patents versus no, we should have open source. So it was really quite difficult. And so the office was trying to make sense of you know, what is going on in the environment. Why is this all changed? Why is the agenda changed? What's this about? The Open University were once again looking at really the changes in higher education that had put their whole mission into question. So they had been developed, um, developing their products and really working for about 30 years since they were created. Incredibly successful, but the world was changing. And so a lot of the things that they had taken for granted were things that they could no longer take for granted in the future. So they wanted to check that too to see what that would mean for their future. And the Singapore one was about new media and how new media was really starting to change governance and communication between the people and the government. And they were trying to also try and get a sense about this emerging, increasing use of social media and what that would mean in terms of governance. So quite ill-defined issues that were quite confusing to them and they were really trying to make sense and thus to use scenarios to do that. Some of the, um, just in terms of some of the characteristics of the projects, they're all headed by, you can see the President of the Office, the Vice-Chancellor and the Director of the Policy Office. It tends to be the case with scenario planning because they're about these big future important issues. So they tend to be positioned very high in the organisation, which makes them very popular projects that people want to be involved in, but they also then make them very interesting and useful and, and exciting sorts of topics. The general methodology across all three cases was the shell. Manasuchi came out of that kind of history using that same sort of methodology, which Hein has very well outlined this evening. They were slightly different in size, for example, and this is about the purpose of the scenario work. What was the purpose, really, of what they were trying to do with the scenarios? So you can see with the European Patent Office, they were really trying to hear the voices externally. So they actually interviewed 101 people from across the world externally, trying to get a sense of what was going on. They said they didn't deny anyone who actually wanted to be interviewed, so it was a very open process. And what was really interesting about this process was they actually published the interviews. They got the 
commission um, of the people who got them to approve the text and that, but they actually published these interviews. And according to many of the people that I spoke to through the research, they thought these interviews were probably some of the highlights of the, um, of the project because there was all of these voices with similar sorts of messages about the world and how the whole painting system was changing considerably. Um, this was much longer, as you can see, for three years, had five workshops and took quite a bit of time, 245 people, really involved a lot of people across the organisation in the process. This was done just to give you a sense about how it can be done differently. This was two different processes. They did the first round in 2002 and the second one in 2005. The first round, they chose 23 people from across the university to do the work and then to present the scenarios to the university. So this was a diagonal cut of people they thought could really make a contribution, and diagonal I mean in terms of levels. The second round was quite different. They actually wanted to use the governance structures, and so they used a consultant to really work with the deans, for example, the vice chancellor's executive, to do some interviewing across the university, but it was really working with those governance structures because they wanted to develop strategic options at the same time. So the purpose of what you're trying to do, some key factors that really come up, is both the purpose of what you're trying to do, but also the convener, the person, the consultant or the facilitator, and their design, what they bring to that and what they think is useful and most important. So it's those combination of factors that you actually see the variety across these projects and in most scenario planning um, work. You can see the Strategic Policy Office was almost a smaller internal group that was doing some work internally for the public sector. So a lot, um, fewer people, 10 people actually involved in it, and 20 interviews. So it was, a, once again, different purpose than what they were trying to do in a shorter time frame. Slightly different in terms of the outputs, the um, European Patent Office actually produced 20,000 copies of their scenario compendium. Um, and by the time, I think it was about almost two years when I was in the field after they had um, published these, and they were almost all gone by then. And I think they are now. So they published 2,000 on the print um, run of the interviews and then 20,000 of these compendiums. The first round, they actually, in the Open University, they produced the scenarios and distributed them internally, but there was no external distribution. And in the second round, they didn't even do a document. They put them just straight up onto the intranet, and they were just a page and a half. So once again, it just depends what they were trying to do and what the best way of um, manifesting and distributing this information was. With the, um, with the Strategic Policy Office in Singapore, they actually distributed the outcomes in some slightly different ways. They set up a committee from across government, and they also there was a, a body that was set up external to government at the time to look at a similar thing, and a lot of the outputs were fed into that particular process. But one of the things that comes up across all of the cases and that came up in the research was how these these scenario planning projects were actually starting to form communities because they were bringing people together to try and make sense of these difficult emergent sorts of issues. And in the process of creating these communities, provided a language and provided some concepts that could facilitate action now, made it much easier to act if everyone had a sense about what was going on, but also build some latent opportunities for action further down the track if that was needed. So building some of that capacity. So just to give you a sense of some of the quotes that come out of the research that talk a little bit about this. 
So this is the first one from a European Patent Office interviewee, just talking about a well-designed scenario process really helps create a model of the world and how it functions. People act from some theory they draw on without realising they are doing this. So changing someone's theoretical framework or worldview is actually much more powerful than almost any other way of changing people's behaviour. The second one is just talking really much, um, really about how le making legitimate implicit assumptions makes it easier for to those to be talked about. So that everyone has these assumptions, but they don't often get an opportunity or a structure to talk those through. And so the scenario process can actually those weak kind of signals and those weak ideas can actually give them space. So it creates a space for discussion around these things. And as I say, this was particularly valuable, I noticed, in the European Patent Office case because the debate was really caught in this world of no patents or for patents or against patents. And the scenarios has made it a much more nuanced conversation. There was four scenarios in the end. And by thinking about taking the future the next 20 years, it allowed everyone to put aside their kind of particular uh, present concerns and to actually talk about the future and say, well, actually, well, what could possibly happen? And also to play out, potentially, what would a world look like where there were no scenarios? And that was a learning in itself. So the scenarios also give, because they do take a longer-term time frame, give a safe space to really think about, well, how potentially could these things actually unfold? Just another couple of other um, examples. This one here just talking about really provides a common language, common concepts, and yeah, the scenarios really become anchors for whatever you want to discuss. So some of the interviewees talked about that the scenarios, whether they're in conferences or seminars, they became this, this anchor, this, this um, art, um, um, object, if you like, to actually start to talk about the future and to have that conversation. So it was a way of facilitating a discussion that didn't have a structure previously. And this one actually talks to this idea of building these communities. So it talks about, oh, I think scenario work does build new links, because in scenarios you ask different questions, right? You're not just working on a policy paper or producing a legislative draft or whatever. You're working on issues which are new, emergent, complex. So it gave us a chance to really develop shared understanding, shared lingos, shared frames of reference. It built communities. So this got me thinking about well, what actually is going on here through these processes to build these communities that actually facilitates action for the future. So it seems that this kind, this is a first run of a kind of a model of, of this. Is this is kind of emergent? It's dependent on this emergent, ill-defined topic. And someone picks it up and decides to actually run with it, because if it's ill-defined, it needs to be defined as a project by someone. So it tends to be whether someone has some prior exposure to scenario work and picks it up and thinks this would be really usefully explored through scenario work. The other thing that I pick up in the research too, and if you're thinking about using scenarios or doing a lot of futures work, is how do you present it? Do you present it as this is a crisis? You know, there's so much happening in the future and wow, what are we going to do about it? And we're really in danger here. Or do you actually think about what's, what do we do well or what's our mission? And how do we actually make that really um, future-proof it for the future, if you like? How do we work on the really positive and make that actually a great thing? Or do we actually <coughs> want to talk about we're in danger here? 
So once again, it depends a bit on the organisation or the context in which you're doing your research. A crisis may very well be a good thing because it, un it upsets the taking for granted, the business as usual, and provides that space. But it may not work if people are, you know, it feels like crying wolf or we're always talking about this. Maybe coming in with, okay, we do some fantastic things or we have a great mission. How do we actually make that future-proof and continue to be able to deliver on our mission into the future? So this is very much this idea number three of scenario work then as exploratory research. It really is a research process to try and understand this emergent issue. And some of the key things that come up, which I was kind of surprised about this contextual management practice, is that scenarios are about going out and asking stakeholders what they think. It's a very participative, participative approach and trying to get ideas in and opening up. But if you've got Beside that, a whole lot of policies going on that are very top-down and directive and heavy, then you get this confusion in messages for the people trying to deal with, um, with those. And so how do you kind of just try and reconcile that? Or it's, what I've found is just being sensitive to the context in which the scenario work occurs and how do you attend to both of those things? Because if they're out of whack, that can actually paralyse action. People can't read the signals properly and think, well, you know, what is actually going on? and how do we move forward. So in terms of building the communities, I'm looking at it from a social capital perspective. That's the theoretical perspective of my, my dissertation. So there's a couple of things the scenario work does first from this structural aspect. This is the actual reaching out to people and the number of people in the network. And it seems that what scenario work is good at is because it's driven very much by the purpose, like we're looking out for 20 years um, at the patent system, then we start to think about, well, who do we need to talk to to understand that? And that immediately starts to open out all sorts of people that you may not have normally had a relationship with. So the purpose of the scenario book is very good at getting around some structural inertia issues because it actually provides you a way of thinking about, well, who are we not talking to that we need to? So it plays that role of actually starting to open out um, some of those connections. And the interviews are a perfect way of doing that because people generally love to be interviewed and to have their own views heard. Relationally, it seems this building relations is the future seems to be a really important aspect of that, of just this future of, as a safe space to learn and to think about well, what could potentially happen, what are all the different perspectives on that is a, is a really valuable way, it seems, in terms of building relationships. The third one is, I think, the cognitive is really around this shared language and this shared concepts of creating that. And I think I've gone yeah. And so therefore, ends up creating a network around that shared understanding, which then actually starts to try and help and create action to work out well, what are the next steps in terms of this, this issue that we're, and how we're going to get forward. So it's making sense of that and facilitating the action. Finally, I just wanted to, um, to, the other thing I picked up in the research is that when we're doing scenario work, there's probably different methods for different groups of people that we're involving. So often when you see scenario planning projects, they'll have an inner core team doing the work, the sponsors, the consultants, for example, and probably in here this process is about workshops, um, learning journeys, those sorts of things. Then out here we talk about key stakeholders quite a bit, and so we're probably talking about interviews, focus groups, and then this is what I just wanted to touch upon. There's also this wider community, wider set of stakeholders, people that you may not even think necessarily are a stakeholder but could become very important in that regard in the future, or even now a little bit wider than what you have been thinking about. And so here I think you're probably talking about thought leadership 
And I think there's a role for scenarios that can be very, very powerful in this regard. Because what they can do, if you do a really good piece of work, especially if you're going into a vacuum where there's not a lot of sense being made of the situation, then you actually start to, to encourage people to engage with you because you've got a great product, if you like, or something that really helps people make sense of the situation. So this is just some examples of groups that actually approach the European Patent Office to come and talk about their um, scenarios. And a lot of these groups were just not forums that the office had previously been involved in. And so the, as a result of the scenario work, they got to make these connections. So the scenario work can actually have an impact also beyond the people immediately involved and really play, I think, this important role for thought leadership, which is essential if we're talking about these future topics and moving a much broader, wider community along.